Welcome to Music History Monday for January 24th, 2022. I'm Bob Greenberg, and the title for today's podcast is Conrad Paumann. If you haven't already, please consider joining me on my subscription site at patreon.com slash robertgreenbergmusic, where I blog, vlog, podcast, pontificate, review, and bloviate four to six times a week. We mark the death on January 24, 1473, 549 years ago today, of the German organist, lutenist, and composer Konrad Paumann in Munich at the age of 63. Now, lest I be accused of dredging up an utterly unknown musician in order to come up with a topic on an otherwise topic-shy day, let us establish the following. Born circa 1410, by the year 1447, when the 37-year-old Paumann was appointed the official organist for the city of Nuremberg, he was considered the greatest organist in all of the German-speaking lands, a position Johann Sebastian Bach would occupy some 275 years later. In that year of 1447, the poet Hans Rosenplut 1400 to 1460, praised Paumann as being, quote, master of all masters, unquote, as both an instrumentalist and as a composer. According to the unimpeachable musicologist and Bach scholar Christoph Wolf, quote, despite his very limited surviving output, Paumann must be considered the leading figure in 15th century German instrumental music, known internationally not only as a virtuoso, but also as a composer." Unquote. Even in the 17th and 18th centuries, hundreds of years after his death, Paumann was still remembered as the greatest organist of his time. Writing in his Lectiones Antiques, published between 1601 and 1604, the Dutch historian Henricus Canisius, 1562 to 1610, called Paumann, quote, the very best organist of his time, unquote. Johannes Stendel, writing in his Chronicon General, that is, General Chronicle of 1763, asserted that Paumann was, quote, in all musical arts, the most expert and the most famous, unquote. Conrad Paumann might be forgotten today, but that's not his fault. Time and memory are, as we all know, fickle. Maestro Paumann toured Europe quite extensively from around 1450, at the age of 40, until his death in 1473, and created a stir wherever he performed. In 1454, he performed on a number of instruments to great acclaim before Duke Philip the Good of Burgundy and his court in Landshut, the capital of Lower Bavaria in what today is southern Germany. 
During a tour of Italy in 1470, he was offered most lucrative positions in both Milan and Naples, both of which he turned down. In Mantua, he performed before the court of the Gonzagas and caused a sensation. He was knighted and received all sorts of valuable gifts from various Mantuan princes and nobles. The following year, in 1471, Paumann performed to great acclaim for the Holy Roman Emperor Friedrich III and the Imperial Diet at Regensburg. Such was Paumann's fame in life that in death he was given the honor of being buried at the south side of the Munich Frauenkirche, Munich's great Gothic cathedral that serves as the cathedral of the Archdiocese of Munich and Freising, and seat of its archbishop. There is an epitaph to Paumann inside the cathedral below the organ loft. It consists of a bas-relief sculpture of Paumann with his instruments, an organ, a lute, a recorder, a harp, and a fiddle. Above the sculpture is this inscription, quote, Anno 1473, on the evening of St. Paul's conversion, died and was here buried the most ingenious master of all instruments and music, Conrad Paumann, knight born blind at Nuremberg. God have mercy upon him." Unquote. Born sightless? Had I mentioned that? Or that Paumann was referred to by his Italian fans as the Chico Miracoloso, meaning the blind miracle? No, I don't believe we had yet to broach the subject of Herr Paumann's eyesight. A public service. Now, before going on, please, a public service. It's about the word blind, which has, I think rightly, come under fire for all the less than positive connotations it evokes. We would be reminded that it's perfectly okay to continue to use the word blind in any number of contexts. For example, apropos of window coverings, as in Venetian blinds, as an indication that something cannot be readily seen, as in a blind corner as in the camouflage covers used by hunters, a duck blind, for example, as an indication that justice is impartial and objective, blind justice, and as a mark of cluelessness. She was blind to the effect her tone of voice had on the people around her. However, the word has become problematic when discussing vision loss. Despite the fact that blind and blindness remain diagnostic terms used by doctors, they are often misused by others who equate any vision loss with blindness. The American Foundation for the Blind, the AFB, suggests that unless a person refers to themselves as being legally blind, the terms low vision, limited vision, or visually impaired should be used. Is this just another irksome attempt by the PC word police to legislate vocabulary? In this case, I don't think so. 
not when we consider all the negative or worse implications of the word blind. For example, when we turn a blind eye to something, we are deliberately ignoring it. Being blind drunk means being completely out of control, unable to think or act. Curse someone blind implies that blindness is so terrible that it qualifies as a threat. Blind courage implies thoughtless action. On those same lines, walking blindly into implies actions both thoughtless and careless. When we say we were blind to or blinded by something, we're saying we were unaware and unable to think clearly. A double-blind experiment is one in which two sets of people are kept in ignorance of the real purpose of the experiment. Okay, I get it. The visually impaired, even the totally visually impaired, would prefer that someone not so impaired, like myself, refrain from using the word blind. Knowing that words can indeed break our bones, I, for one, will do my best not to blindly use the word blind. <laughs> Sorry. Back briefly to Conrad Palmon. Very few of Palmon's actual musical compositions have come down to us. This does not necessarily mean that the bulk of his work physically failed to survive. Rather, it likely means that very few of his works were actually dictated by him and written down into hard copy by others. Having been born without sight, he almost certainly had developed, instead, a phenomenal memory and a preternatural ability to improvise. Again, to quote Christoph Wolf, writing in the New Grove Dictionary of Music and Musicians, quote, Presumably, Palmon's creative output consisted mostly of improvisations rather than worked-out compositions, unquote. Visually impaired musicians we love. There has been no shortage of high-end visually impaired musicians living and working in our time, by which I mean the age of electronic recording. The remainder of this post is dedicated to them. Tomorrow's Dr. Bob Prescribes will focus on one of the very greatest and yet least appreciated musicians of the 20th century, the unsighted jazz pianist and composer Lenny Tristano. Ray Charles, born Ray Charles Robinson, Jr., 1930 to 2004. Due likely to glaucoma, Charles began to lose his sight at around the age of four or five. He was sightless by the age of seven. Stevie Wonder, born Stevland Hardaway Morris, 1950. For all intents and purposes, Wonder was rendered sightless at birth. He was a preemie, born six weeks early. Because of the oxygen-rich atmosphere in the hospital incubator, he suffered a condition called retinopathy of prematurity, in which, quote, the growth of the eyes is aborted and causes the retinas to detach, unquote. 
The country singer Terry Gibbs, born 1954, was born prematurely as well and lost her sight in the same manner. Andrea Bocelli, born 1958, is an Italian operatic tenor and multi-instrumentalist. He was born with congenital glaucoma. At the age of 12, a sports injury destroyed his sight entirely. He was playing goalie in a soccer match when he was struck in the face by the ball and suffered a brain hemorrhage. In an attempt to save his sight, doctors actually resorted to leeches, but to no avail. Then there's the Spanish pianist, violinist, and composer Joaquin Rodrigo, 1901-1999, who lost his sight entirely after contracting diphtheria at the age of three. He is most famous for his guitar concerto, Concierto de Aranquez, which, like all of his music, was composed in Braille. The list of other notable unsighted musicians goes on. The jazz singer and pianist Diane Schur, born 1953, and the jazz pianists George Shearing, 1919 to 2011, Marcus Roberts, born 1963, and the miraculous Art Tatum, unsighted in his left eye and only partially sighted in his right. The country music musician Ronnie Millsap, born 1943. The Puerto Rican-born fusion musician Jose Feliciano, born 1945. The Canadian guitarist and singer-songwriter Jeff Healy, 1966 to 2008. And the American pianist and singer-songwriter Ken Medima, born 1943. Last but certainly not least, is the American composer, performing musician, theoretician, poet, and inventor of several musical instruments, Lewis Thomas Hardin, best known as Moondog, 1916 to 1999. I'd all too briefly single out one further sightless musician before closing, the Japanese pianist and composer Nobayuki Tsuji, born 1988. Nobayuki Tsuji was born sightless due to a developmental eye disorder called microphthalmia. He is a miracle, and I do not use that word lightly. Tsuji is a brilliant pianist, a co-gold medal award winner at the 2009 Van Cliburn International Piano Competition. He plays everything, and he plays it all so beautifully. Chopin, Liszt, Rachmaninoff, Beethoven's Hammerklavier Sonata, and Prokofiev. And he learns it all by ear. I'll say that again. He learns and plays by ear. This doesn't mean that he can't read musical braille. He can. But when it comes to actually learning a piece of music, he depends entirely on his ears. In an interview in 2011, Tsuji described the process, quote, I learn pieces by listening, but it doesn't mean I'm copying CDs or another person's interpretation. I ask my assistants to make a special cassette tape for me. 
They split the piece into small sections, such as several bars, and record it one hand at a time. I call these tapes music sheets for ears. It takes me a few days to complete a short piece, but it takes one month to complete a big sonata or concerto." Unquote. That's just crazy. Inconceivable! In the link provided, Tsuji finishes a performance of Prokofiev's Piano Concerto No. 3. At 1 minute and 35 seconds, his encore begins. Franz Liszt's La Campanella. That La Campanella is one of the most difficult pieces in the repertoire, is immaterial. Tsuji plays it with a musicality, clarity, and a lack of any fuss that will leave you breathless. A miracle, yes? Yes. Tomorrow, and Dr. Bob prescribes another miracle. Lenny Tristano. Thank you. To sample and download one or all of my many courses on subjects musical produced by The Great Courses slash The Teaching Company, please visit my website at robertgreenbergmusic.com.